Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello there and welcome to the Times Business Podcast where we look ahead to news that will be moving markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, that means the latest monthly employment figures. And can people really afford to carry on spending at their current levels? And posties certainly are going to taste the forthcoming merger between Royal Dutch Shell and BG. No more bulky prospectuses and merger documents to deal with. Finally, is it time to take a break? Find out what that's about later on. I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, the Times economics editor and commentator, Robin Pagnamenta, our energy editor, and Deirdre Hitwell, retail correspondent of the Times. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Philip, let's start with you. Can we expect, first of all, more record numbers of people in employment than ever before? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fairly safe bet. The um, unemployment is probably going to come down. It's hit 5.1%. The Bank of England is forecasting it to fall over the next couple of years down to 4.7%, um, which would be which would be the lowest in uh, equal lowest in 40 years actually. And uh, there is evidence that job creation uh, continues apace among uh, in the private sector. But of course being a, a consumer driven consumer spending driven economy wages are very much linked to this but it seems that wage growth is certainly not keeping up as we've seen in previous cycles wages catch up with the unemployment and in the end you reach this impasse where people become too expensive. That's not happening now is it? There is a curve in uh, economics uh, which addresses this point, which is the the Phillips curve. When unemployment uh, falls below a certain level, you should be getting pressure on wages, which drives up inflation. And uh, we're not really seeing that. And so it's actually one of these one of these conundrums in in economics at the moment of what why why are wages not rising fast enough? So consumer spending has been driving the economy. The Bank of England is actually forecasting a fall in in people's savings rates to quite low levels. uh, compared with historic trends. So that will drive consumer spending in the forecast that the bank has. And, uh, you know, uh, that's partly uh, because wages are not going to be growing as fast as, one, they would be expected to under the Phillips curve, and and two, the the, the economists uh, are forecasting. Deirdre, let me bring you in here. The retail sector, we've heard mostly how they did over the holiday period and looking forward, I suppose, the next big event is Easter, isn't it? But generally speaking, do you feel within the environment that, that... Phil's been describing that consumer spending is holding up or are retailers seriously under pressure now? Um, Well, retailers are always under pressure and they'll always tell you they're under pressure. They're a bit like farmers. They're always complaining, but often with good reason. Um, And I think what we saw over Christmas is 
some retailers did very well and some did obviously less well. But what a lot of retailers were saying to me is that the patterns of consumer spending did not always make sense to them. For example, you had consumers who were spending items, uh, spending more on big ticket items, so big pieces of furniture or even buying a car or upgrading their houses. And they weren't necessarily buying coats from M&S, much to the chagrin of Mark Bolland. And I think that is kind of the issue now and we've seen it with the most recent figures for January where furniture was the standout category um, amongst all the retail categories and obviously January is a a month for furniture sales but it was very good growth in furniture so I think consumers are just being more careful about where they're spending it as opposed to just splashing it all over the high street. Philip, the the latest signs certainly from, from the bank are that nobody wants to see a rise in interest rates and very probably not until perhaps at the very tail end of this year or into next year. That's got to be some form of consumer boost, hasn't it, to confidence if nothing else? Absolutely. In fact, some of the uh, market projections on interest rates are, are that they, they don't rise until the, near the end of 2018. It's, it's, it's uh, quite remarkable. Um, uh, the, the, the reason, one of the biggest reasons why is because inflation is, is so low. Obviously, the bank finds it difficult to, to, raise, to find an argument to raise rates in this, if there's no sign of inflation, as, as 2% inflation is their, is their target. Um, and, and, the, and the danger is that uh, one of the reasons we're seeing wages being kept down is because employers are now deciding that pay settlements should be lower because uh, inflation is lower. And, and actually, you're, according to surveys, you're also seeing uh, staff being willing to accept lower settlements as well because they accept that in real terms they're higher than inflation. So you end up actually getting, we're beginning to get into this dangerous world where you have bad deflation, um, where it becomes self-reinforcing. And then, you know, the retailers, everyone are gonna, is going gonna, is gonna to suffer because you can't push through price rises if people don't have more money in their pockets. Well, talk about deflation. Uh, Robin Pagnamenta, energy editor, I mean, looking at the price of oil, it's still going down. Now, we've obviously said before, and you, you've made your pitch about prices, but in terms of what's happening in the sector, BG and Royal Dutch Shell, they're finally going to get, get it together. A lot of private investors in there. Is this going to be good for them looking ahead over the 12 months, given how much they rely on their dividends and the success of the whole merger? Uh, well, I think the, the, the key part of your question there is over the next 12 months. I, th- I think no one would dispute the sort of long-term strategic rationale of this deal. You know, long before this uh, takeover deal was announced uh, last April, there was talk about you know BG and Shell being a very good fit. BG has some very interesting assets in, uh, particularly in in gas in Brazil, which is where, where these huge offshore discoveries have been made in recent years. And put the two together, and you've got a, a very uh, compelling fit. Um, uh, a company that would have about a fifth of the global LNG market, which is um, which is expected to grow at seven and a half percent over, you know, up to 2020. So there's a very compelling sort of strategic logic to the deal. But um, it's also clear that uh, that Shell timed this deal rather uh, poorly. Um, if they'd waited a few months, they could have uh, bought BG for a lot less because of the, 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 the huge fall in oil prices that we've seen over the past 18 months. Um, they, they made this bid at uh, when oil was trading at about $57. 
now here we are just just hovering around 30 um that you know there's no question that that this was a a badly timed deal my my hunch really is that over the long term you know i mean over the over a, a five ten year horizon you know this is going to uh, it's, it, none of this is really going to matter too much. You know, it's going to be people will look back and think it was probably a, a, a wise deal. But you know, it's, it's quite understandable why a lot of investors have have felt frustrated at, at the high price that um, that Shell has has paid for these assets um, over the next twelve months. Which was your question, going back to your original question. I mean, what you're really asking about is is what's going to happen to the oil price if we see a recovery in oil prices as Shell has uh, has sort of suggested we will see in the second half of this year. Uh, you know, it could, it could turn out to be um, a good year for shareholders, and and you know, but but I think uh, I, I'd be a bit uh, dubious that uh, that we were going to see such a rapid turnaround. I think probably over the next twelve months, you know, shareholders are still going to be feeling a bit sore. I mean, Robin, looking at the broader picture of of commodities, and let's say gold in particular, clearly markets are very turbulent. Is a move in the rise in the price of gold largely due to people seeking a safe or alternative haven, I should say, for their assets? Or is there some reason why the fundamental value of gold should go up at this time? I think that, you know, at a time like this of of great investor nervousness, you know, we always see a rush into into gold. I'd be a bit doubtful as to whether anything has fundamentally changed in in uh, demand for in physical demand for gold uh, if you look at what's happening in china which has been the biggest or one of the two biggest consumers of gold uh, over the past few years you know we, we're seeing clearly uh, weakness and 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 concerns about the strength of the economy there i mean i think this is very much a, a market move that's being driven by jitters over over the the stock market and, uh, and other assets robin just to go quickly back to the shell BG merger. Is there any particular reason that Shell have given for why they haven't been able to cut the price? I mean, I I, I remember covering RBS when it made its bid for ABN AMRO. Um, actually, because they were in a consortium, they couldn't. One of the member of the consortium refused uh, to uh, use a break clause, so that RBS had to end up buying ABN AMRO, whether they wanted to or not. But um, in Shell's case, they could be cutting the price, couldn't they? Why, why uh, I think it would have been very difficult, actually. I think that under certainly Shell believed that the only way they could have renegotiated the price would be to have walked away and under takeover panel rules, they probably would have had to wait at least six months, possibly a year before coming back. And I think that um, their great fear was that if they did that, someone else was going to pounce on BG and you know that would be the sort of worst case scenario and they may they might well have been right because bg you know is an attractive target uh, and you can imagine a scenario where an exxon or you know a, a bp could have could have uh, could have you know snuck in and uh, and and got bg at a much lower price so i think uh, i think it was a tough call clearly it was a very it's been a very uncomfortable nine months for ben van burden and the and simon henry and the the, the team at shell who've been uh, driving this merger, um, but they've got it through. You know, they had uh, 83% support from shareholders. I mean, it's still quite a big chunk of uh, of investors who who were opposed, but nevertheless, you know, a victory is a victory, and uh, you know they must be greatly relieved. Oh well, thank you for that, Robin. Now. Oh. 
was the Kit Kat ad, in case you hadn't guessed. Deirdre Hipwell, retail correspondent. We've got full year results from Nestle, but first of all, they're involved in this trademark battle. Just explain a bit about that background. Um, well, I suppose you could call it the, the great copyright chocolate war between Nestle and Cadbury, but effectively what it's really about is the European courts have basically given two fingers to Nestle's attempt to try and trademark its four-fingered Kit Kat bar. Nestle tried to argue that their Kit Kat, the shape of the Kit Kat, the four-finger Kit Kat bar was distinctive to their company and that anybody could recognise that that chocolate bar was a Nestle Kit Kat bar. But what the courts have found and Nestle is planning to appeal is that the shape was not distinctive enough and it was in fact the Kit Kat embossed on the four-finger bar that was what people really identified. And they also argue that the actual bars of chocolate serve a technical function because they help you break off a piece of the chocolate and you can't copyright something within a product that serves a technical function but Nestle believes that this bar which they've been making since 1935 is distinctive and everybody sees it and knows it as a Kit Kat bar so they're planning to appeal it that will continue of course Cadbury has objected the whole way but this is often the case between these two arch rivals and in fact Nestle was successful in winning a 10-year fight where it stopped Mondelez, which is the owns the brand Cadbury, from registering Pantone 2685C, which is the exact shade of purple it uses for its dairy milk chocolate bar as being its own purple. Who'd be a judge, eh? Get to eat chocolate all day and look at funny colours. But it, does it really impact on the results we're going to hear about? Or is this just sort of quite a nice, colourful sidebar, as you said, two-fingered salute to the four-fingered Kit Kat? I mean, it all gets a bit involved. Well, it is quite colourful, but, uh, you know, to be serious, this is for companies that are operating in the consumer space, maintaining your copyright, your um, products, your patents is, is very important. And there is, I think what sparked the Nestle bar is that there is a Polish, um, I think it's Polish, it's basically Eastern European manufacturer which has bought out a chocolate bar which looks almost identical to the Kit Kat bar. So I think companies have to keep on top of that and they have to protect their own intellectual property and their own products because it's an extremely competitive <coughs> And truly global, isn't it? I mean, Robin, you, you had experience because you were um, our Asia correspondent for a while living out in India. So, I mean, Nestle, is it as big over there as here or is it still making inroads to the market? It certainly views India and other Asian markets as critical to its uh, future growth and is, and is you know, p- uh, puts enormous effort into... Um, into promoting brands uh, like Kit Kat and like Maggie Noodles uh, in in India, uh, my initial reaction when I when I heard this story was I'm feeling rather jealous of the lawyers who who must get paid very handsomely to to quibble over over the shape of uh, of Kit Kats. But I mean, it does it does uh, remind me of I mean to, just to to sort of um, uh, understand the importance of these uh, brands to to companies like Nestle. You know uh, the the, the problems that they had in India with Maggie noodles is a good example because they're you know virtually overnight their their this brand was almost you know was devastated by a, a, a food uh, safety sort of scandal uh, and and their you know sales just ap- absolutely collapsed and it was a huge blow to 
to Nestle, the, the boss in the country resigned, etc., etc. So I can understand why these companies are so defensive and so protective of, of these brands and their, and their reputations. The um, issue in India, which was basically where Nestle was pitted against the Indian safety regulator, over fears that these Maggie noodles had unsafe levels of lead. And despite the fact that Nestle, there was a host of independent food safety uh, testers found that there was nothing wrong with these noodles. They had to destroy hundreds of thousands... Robin still looks perfectly healthy, doesn't he? (laughs) Absolutely. They had to destroy hundreds and thousands of tonnes of these noodles to kind Mm. of calm public fears. And Nestle have been the first to admit that they were very slow to respond to this situation. I think at first, when it... It started um, appearing on Twitter. They didn't quite take the seriousness of it. And then it had just become, it had gone viral and they were facing a a massive food scare. And just to put it in in context, Nestle has 63% of the noodle market in India and it it contributes India about a a billion of their overall sales. So it was a big issue for them and they have already admitted that it it is going to impact their full year. So something um, about um, home-cooked food as well, doesn't it, in the country if you sell that much? Philip? I, I just wondered if uh, if the two-fingered Kit Kat is also uh, being subject to this copyright protection or if it's just the four-fingered one which they're protecting. I believe it's just the four-finger, but to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Well, this is clearly a debate that's going to run and run, and I don't think Nestle are going to be sending you a free box of Kit Kat either, or you, Robin. Anyway, thank you all very much indeed, and that's just about it for now. But do keep up to date with all those results and everything we've been talking about as they happen on our website. If you're a Times subscriber, of course, you can sign up to the daily morning and lunchtime emails. And if you don't have a subscription, do take advantage of that £1 offer at thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, it couldn't be easier. Just subscribe through iTunes. My thanks here to Philip Aldrich, Robin Pagnamenta and Deirdre Hipwell. They're all on Twitter, so do follow them. So am I for that matter. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. 